Hello one and hello all. Thank you kindly for joining us on The Paul Leslie Hour. Today we're presenting Paul's interview with the late Troy Allen. Troy Allen was a singer-songwriter from Texas who lived from June 27, 1967 to November 11, 2010. In addition to being a bass player in the band Hannah's Reef, Troy Allen also released several albums, including One Man, One Guitar, Just South of Corpus, and Party at the Bottom of the Pool, which was released after Troy passed away. This interview and acoustic performances was recorded in the home of Monty Tolar, another Texan who's no longer with us. As you'll hear in the interview, Troy Allen had a rare type of stomach cancer called lenitis plastica. He became the longest living person to have the disease, and in spite of this, embarked on a 100-house concert tour called the Troy Allen Cancer-Free 100-House Concert Tour. Of course, we invite you to listen to the interview and hear the musical performances of Troy Allen. Now, let's get to the show. It's all yours, Paul. Now, we're going to take you to our mini-concert and interview with our special guest, Troy Allen. Ladies and gentlemen, this is being recorded in the home of Monty Toller. I'm sitting down with a singer-songwriter from Texas, Mr. Troy Allen. Hello. Troy, thanks for doing this. Oh, no problem. This is great. You're going to give the listeners out there a little bit of who you are, and we're going to hear firsthand your songs. My first question, who is Troy Allen? Uh, I think even I would like to know that. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty uh, chameleon, if that's a word. I change a lot. One time, uh, one show, I'm in a cowboy hat, and the next time, I'm in no hat, and I'm in a baseball cap, and no shoes, and flip-flops, or, you know, whatever. Uh, it just depends on where I'm at and uh, what the venue calls for or whatever. It jumps around a lot. Uh, bottom line is I love music. I always have. Uh, and there's if there's anything that defines me, it's just playing music, period. Uh, wherever that takes me, great, let's go. <laughs> Whether I'm in the Keys or middle of Wyoming somewhere, I don't care. So you're from Texas? Yes. Well, I live there now. I moved actually down there. A lot of people don't know this. Uh, moved down in 81. Um, my parents got a divorce, and that's where we landed uh, back in 81. I was a little kid, so, you know, wherever the parents go, or my mom went, actually, uh, that's where we ended up, is uh, Beaumont, Texas. I actually buy her Texas for those that are around the area, but nobody ever knows that, so I just throw that out there. But been there a long time. Do you think that growing up in Texas affected you as a musician? Oh, absolutely. Uh, no doubt. Uh, where I was from, uh, Kankakee, there's, uh, there's not a lot of bars to play. Uh, music is not really a big scene. Uh, you know, 80 miles south of Chicago is kind of out in the cornfields. In fact, I was the only person that I knew that even played music outside of, you know, orchestra or, you know, uh, school band type thing. So uh, I was always, back then, freak. <laughs> he plays guitar. Stay away from him. So that was my best friend because, uh, you know, it was like 8 to 12 miles to somebody else's house. And, you know, didn't do a lot of driving around. Uh, 
place to place to go hang out at other friends. So my guitar became my best friend and has been all all the way through my life. So if something goes wrong, whoop, go find the guitar. It'll listen. I was I saw this on the internet. I think this was on Facebook. I saw some blurb about two things to do when it rains. Uh huh. And uh, I don't remember if that was in Monty's status update or where that was, but then uh, it got mentioned to me again today. It's amazing what kind of a global world we live in with the Internet and everything. Absolutely. We're filming this. This is the first time I've ever done it like this. But uh, Monty has a lot to say about uh, about communication. So tell us about that. Two things uh, to do when it rains. Uh Way back when I was married, and uh, one stormy night, my wife snuggled up to me, and uh, she kind of looked at me and said, you know, honey, I've never heard this before. There's only two things to do when it rains, and I don't read. And uh, I was laying there going, that is the best song title in the world. And I'm, like, sitting there trying to, like, formulate a song around that, and she's, like, punching me in the side going, hey, you, I'm over here. And... <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, you're, yeah, oh, I see what you mean. And uh, so kind of forgot about the, the song title, but, you know, thing, things that are supposed to happen uh, happen for a reason, and, and if they don't happen when they're supposed to, they come back around. So we fast forward a couple of years, and um, divorce happens, and uh, uh, fast forward another year, and finally end up with a girlfriend and uh, end up in a uh, RV park, uh, made a whole bunch of new friends, and we were sitting over there, and, and uh, my girlfriend kind of snuggles up to me when we get back to the RV because it had been raining. And uh, we were all sitting around a campfire, and it just like all of a sudden, wham, no no thunder, no warning, no nothing. It just started pouring like crazy. We end up in the RV. Well, you know how the RV's got the metal, metal roof? So I'm, I'm laying there, and she snuggles up to me, and she says the exact same thing that my ex-wife had said. There's only two things to do when it rains, and I don't read. Well, the way I write, I have to have the idea and the beat hit me all at the same time. If, it, if those two things come together, I got a song like really fast. Um, well, the first time it didn't happen <laughs> with, with my ex, uh, but this time it did. So I jumped up and goes, "There it is! I got it!" And I went running to the other end of the RV, and we had a little breakfast table that folds down into a little uh, twin bed or whatever. And uh, I ran over that to the breakfast nook, and I was sitting there, and I was scribbling as fast as I could so I could get this idea down. And uh, next thing I know, I look up, and she's standing in the uh, in the little doorway there into the bedroom at the other end of the RV, and she goes, that's not what I was meaning. And she's standing there, and I got a little nighty and everything. I was like, oh, okay, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, hold on two seconds. And I'm, like, trying to finish up writing the song. Yeah. And I uh, went back to the other end of the table, but... Uh, or to the RV, but I, I did get this song out, so that, that was a cool thing. It was a, actually that was the last song that was written uh, to go on to just out the purpose CD. So it just squeaked by. In fact, I bumped another song to be able to put that one on there. <laughs> well, we've heard about the song. Let's uh, let's hear it. All right. Two things to do when it rains. All I right. can think of one, but I'm I'm curious. <laughs> what the second? We're relaxing by the RV when our campfire party gets drowned by summer deluge. All our friends go to running, dodging and cussing, singing all that they haven't a clue. 
Well, baby, don't get frightened, cause I've been enlightened, and I know what that lightning means. There's only two things to do when it rains, and I don't read. Tell people go to praying, some go to laying, and hard for David meaning to lay. Some go to ball, and by mistake start calling. The weather just a waste of a day But me, I go to granite Cause I know it's the beginning I just let my baby leave There's only two things to do When it rains and I don't read Some who are misinformed Think of thunderstorms Time to turn on the old boot too Cause all I wanna turn on is you When there's precipitation There's anticipation Perspiration is starting to be There's only two things to do When it rains and I don't leave Some people go to pray And some go to lay in that carpet They can be in the Some go to ball Mistakes start calling The weather just a waste of a day But me, I don't regret it Cause I know it's the beginning I just let my baby leave There's only two things to do When it rains and I don't read No rain can't be there There's only two things to do When it rains and I don't read My four wheeler. It's brand new. Don't take it out and get it muddy. It's one of those little tongue in cheek songs. <laughs> Troy Allen, ladies and gentlemen, on the Paul Leslie Hour. Thanks, Troy. So, you mentioned that you were from Texas. There's a lot of music that comes from Texas, a lot of great music that comes from Texas. Yeah. So, who were you listening to? Who influenced you the most? Well, Beaumont, um, back in the early 80s and, and all the way through, uh, I'd say early to mid-90s, was a huge, huge uh, music area. Uh, there was clubs everywhere, bands everywhere, and of course, you know, we'd go out and we, on nights that we were off, the whole band would go listen to other bands to see, what are we doing wrong? What are we doing right? What do we do better? What do we do worse? Not so much as a challenge thing, but I'm, I'm so fortunate to be having that stuff go on in that area because what happened is it, it made us want to be better. So it was like, oh man, they're doing this and they're doing all these breaks and these neat little musical chops and stuff like that. Uh, so it, it really gave me a, a high bar to, cl to climb to. Uh, you know, Clay Walker, Tracy Bird. Went to school with them. They had their bands. And, of course, we all know the story with them about them getting signed and, of course, you know, going on to be superstars and everything. And uh, they played at the uh, club, Cutters, where Mark Chestnut uh, was. So, you know, we were all, you know, in, in kind of that same group. I used to play there on the weekends, too, uh, with my band. But we were always looking around at, you know, what can we do better? What, You know, what do we need to learn next or that kind of stuff. But uh, so I'm, I was real fortunate to have a lot of music going on in that area. Unfortunately, it's dropped off in that area a lot. 
I mean, it's it's real hard to find a place now. So uh, that's why I go out and tour the country now because there's not a lot of stuff going on at home. So, but uh, I, I have a blast doing what I'm doing out here. It's uh, very different from that because uh, that was like say that was with a band and and everywhere you go you're carrying five six piece band all the gear all the lights you got to carry all this stuff with it. But uh, out here I just me and guitar and you know show up or go anywhere I want to. So it's a lot of fun. I just love what I'm doing now. If you could say that one one artist was your biggest influence, could you point to one? Um, or maybe a couple that are above the pack? Yeah, for, for me, uh, and it's kind of funny because, you know, growing up in the cornfields in Illinois, uh, I didn't get a lot of music. I mean, if it wasn't on the radio right then, you know, I got into all the – Ozzy Osbourne and, and all that kind of stuff going on through throughout the uh, early 80s and all the hair band stuff going on. Um, finally, somebody they kept saying, you have this voice that kind of sounds like this guy. And I kept saying his name and everything, and it never, never sank in, and I never went and found his music or anything like that. But uh, when I finally did get introduced to his stuff, it, it totally changed the way that I was... Uh, Writing and and the the style that I was even playing, I even changed changed my uh, guitar style. I I started picking up finger picking, and uh, went and got a couple of lessons to figure out how to do that. And uh, although I'm not being good for lessons, I didn't stay very long. But uh, pretty much everything else that I learned was uh, on my own. So, but uh, yeah, that would have to be James Taylor. James Taylor, absolutely. Tell all the listeners out there about a band called Hannah's Reef. Absolutely. I'd love to. Um, you know, I had my band for a long time, and I actually hurt my throat. Um, it was uh, it would be the New Year's Eve coming into 97. And uh, took some time off, uh, kind of played with some solo stuff. But the band, the drummer for the band, Chuck Willingham, uh, that's all he did. Uh, for a living, so he went ahead and moved into another band called Hannah's Reef. Uh, it was based out of uh, the same area, Beaumont, Texas. And uh, what happened with him is uh, somehow or another the bass player ended up quitting. And I had started playing bass in our band because the bass player for us kept not showing up. He'd call me from like all parts of America saying, hey, I can't play tomorrow night because I'm doing a shutdown. Uh, he'd take off all over America. And so I finally just bought my own bass and learned all my songs one night and showed up and surprised the am the next day um, that I was the new bass player. And, uh, and it sounded really good. It, it worked out pretty good. But in one night, I learned to play bass and sing, and which was kind of tough. But that, that was my goal, so uh, I ended up being able to hit it. And when the bass player quit from Hans Reef, uh, Chuck called me up and said, hey, this is what you were always wanting to do. You were always wanting to travel and go cool places and, you know, do all these neat things and do the hotel thing. And, and uh, so the next thing I know, Jerry Diaz is calling me up, uh, the leader of the band and everything, and said, uh, you know, here's what we do. And we travel a bunch. And, you know, I'm looking for somebody to be able to do some backup vocals and maybe sing a few songs, uh, but really be the bass player. And uh, I, I decided that, you know, I can put put my gig on hold for a while and uh, be able to go try this, at least see what it was all about. Because uh, Chuck was pretty excited about it. And uh, thank goodness I did. Because I didn't know about the, the trop rock movement or, or any of this stuff, you know, all the, the paired heads and all. 
just a huge um, music movement that, that's happening right now with uh, all the different singer-songwriters. And, uh, you know, I stayed with Jerry and the guys for a long time, just love playing with them, love traveling everywhere, and, uh, showing up in all these crazy places and carrying our gear on the planes and all that kind of stuff. That's a lot of fun. Uh, sometimes it's a little hassle, believe it or not, but, uh, you know, when you love what you do, it, it, the hassle seems to be just part of it, you know. And uh, just just kind of got my feet wet really throughout the band and, and uh, started learning about tropical music and decided, okay, this this is really cool. This this is even better than what I was planning doing, you know, by myself, doing all the solo stuff. So... Uh, just, just love the guys. Some great music, a lot of time, uh, fun times, uh, really good. just going everywhere. Uh, kind of felt some growing pains a little bit because I kept writing all these songs and, of course, you know, it wasn't my band. And I never wanted to take anything away from, from Jerry or the guys or anything. Uh, but still wanted to be able to do my stuff. So the next thing I know, I'm doing solo stuff again outside of the band schedule, still with a 50 to 60 hour a week day job. And, uh, just kind of got to where it was so busy doing the solo stuff, uh, it was hard to keep doing stuff with the band too, and I felt like I was getting in the way of their progress because I was turning around calling Jerry all the time going, hey, are we booked for April 22nd? Okay, how about the 24th? I got a possibility on such and such. And it, it, it just turned into, I felt like I was being more of a pest than, than, than helping the band. And uh, so we kind of did a little parting of the ways um, for a lot of reasons, and uh, we'll go into those if you want, but... Uh, you know, it, it was never because I didn't want to be there. Uh, they, they were always awesome kids. Well, from your solo career, you have a song called Two Nights in a Row. Yeah. Uh, tell us about that song. Um, that, that one's actually coming up on uh, the next CD, which is in, the CD is entitled, uh, <laughs> kind of a crazy title, uh, Party at the Bottom of the Pool is, uh, is the song title, and I mean the, uh, the album title. But uh, this song is one of the, I think, one of the strongest songs on the on the whole CD. And uh, after Hurricane Night came through, my my parents lost everything. Uh, the business that they had, uh, the, a lot of the buildings, the house was torn up. They had to tear the house down and literally start from scratch. I mean, there was there was nothing. And uh, I was staying at, at with them at their house uh, or at their land, I guess I should call it. And I was actually living in a horse trailer. And uh, the horse trailer that they had had like one of those bunks that go up over the bed of the truck. Right. And uh, there's not a lot of room uh, up there between the top of the mattress and the bottom of the ceiling, you know, because it's already up above the truck. <laughs> so you got maybe uh, two and a half to three feet. And uh, I was staying there uh, one that? night, and the Tuesday after Hurricane Light came through, big old storm uh, brewed, and uh, some lightning hit really, really close to the house, and uh, it sounded like it was at the other end of the trailer, and I sat up real quick, because we were all still kind of in shock from, from Hurricane Ike and the storms and all that stuff that went with that, and uh, when I sat up, I sat up so fast that I literally knocked the light that was in, screwed to the ceiling, I knocked it off of the, the uh, ceiling with my forehead, and uh, so I'm laying there screaming, saying all kind of nice choice words, and I was like, man, I hope I don't have to stay here more than two nights in a row. And uh, as I'm laying there, kind of letting my goose egg uh, uh, do its thing, uh, I got thinking about two nights in a row, and I've never heard that as a, uh, you know, as a song title or a subject for a song. And uh, it kind of started 
me thinking about my life, all the places that I go and was playing, I was never in any place more than two nights in a row. So I'd play here and I'd stay one or two nights and then I'd, you know, drive a little ways and I'd stay there for a couple nights and it's just like, man, that's, that's almost an autobiographical song. So I thought about turning it into a song and the next thing I know, at four o'clock in the morning, I'm sitting down at the little breakfast nook that this uh, horse trader had and uh, I put together two nights in a row. It took me about a, about a month to finish uh, and to put a bridge on it uh, later on. And uh, that, that's, that's the song. <laughs> All right. We're going to hear it. This is Troy Allen on the Paul Leslie Hour performing two nights in a row.
mentioned at the beginning of that song that you were a wanderer. Absolutely. What have been some of your favorite places that you've played or just visited? Wow. Uh, well, my favorite place for a long time was South Padre Island. And, uh, and going down there, that was like a high school type place, so it was always like, oh, this is my favorite place. And uh, then I went up to uh, uh, North Actually, Padre Island and uh, Port Aransas uh, just fell in love with that whole area. It was just such a neat, quaint little place. Uh, and everybody kept telling me, oh, you, you need to go check out one more place. Right now, and uh, so my, my favorite place kind of keeps changing a little bit. Uh, now it's Key West. I, I have a, just a wonderful love affair with not only Key West, but the, the drive down there. Uh, my favorite place on the world is Seven Mile Bridge. Wow, uh, it's just just gorgeous going down there. I don't know if you guys remember, but that's the bridge they used for uh, true lies, uh, moving when uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, hanging from the helicopter trying to get the uh, I can't think of her name, but trying to get her out of the car before it crashes uh, where they blew the bridge up. But uh, that bridge has, has turned into a very very uh, kind of a sacred and special place for me. Every time I go over that bridge. Uh, I end up either uh, writing a song or getting told what to do by the man upstairs and uh, that kind of stuff. And that's actually where the, this tour came about. Was uh, my my second trip down there. Uh, I was riding down with a buddy of mine and kept getting that little naggy feeling of you know, did you turn the coffee pot off or did you really lock the front door of the house or something like that? And uh, so I finally said, okay, I guess I need a couple. Minutes of silence, so I can figure out what this little naggy feeling is. And as I was going across the bridge, uh, I got a tap on my shoulder and a warm whisper in my ear that I needed to quit the band and the street and uh, go out and do a solo tour to promote uh, cancer awareness about the cancer that I'd been informed that I had a couple months earlier. And because uh, it's really a, a rare cancer and very unknown, uh, the, the treatments are you know general like all the other. Uh, cancer treatments, but uh, the, the test is not. There's no test for this whatsoever. Uh, no blood work, uh, nothing. So you have to get an upper GI to be able to find out if you had this. And that's how I found it. And, uh, totally by luck. And uh, so I fought with it for a couple months because I didn't want to quit the band. But uh, next thing I know, it's like, okay, I can't fight this anymore because I had mentioned that I wanted to do this tour and started just telling a few people about it. The next thing I know, I'm getting call after call after call after call on it. I almost had the whole year booked up, but I'm still trying to play with the band. So I finally had to tell them, okay, I guess I got to back out of the band. I've been told to do something and, you know, I, I need to obey. So that's what I'm doing. Living on the edge. <laughs> 
Well, tell us a little bit about this tour. It's called the Troy Allen Cancer Free 100 House Concert Tour. A little bit of a long name. Uh, it was something you felt led to do. Oh, no, I, I actually got told this is what I was supposed to do. Uh, I got to tap on the shoulder. This was, you know, I didn't come up with a title. I didn't come up with anything other than I was supposed to do this and go all the way across the country wherever I can go and be telling my story, uh, kind of be the poster boy, if you will, for uh, about self-awareness and, and being able to go get yourself checked out and uh, how to get checked out for the for this particular kind of cancer. And the you know the Hunter House concert cancer-free tour was a name that. Got told to me right there in the car. It was really and good. Really maybe it was a little bit of optimism, or maybe it was a little. He uh, already knew where I was going to be going. Because since that moment, I literally took myself out of the driver's seat for my life and put myself in the passenger seat. And he's been leading me all over the place since. Uh, and oh, yeah. so the, the cancer-free part of it, um, some people look at it as you know, I'm I'm trying to promote being cancer-free. Uh, in my mind, it was the determination that I was going to be cancer-free, and now I am. Uh, so uh, it's just a, a lot of blessings all in a row. It just all came together. So uh, I'm living proof that uh, attitude is everything, and doing what you're told <laughs> helps. So when somebody goes to one of these performances, and they hear you sing, and they hear you tell your story, what is it that you hope they get out of this experience? Um, number one, I'll, I want them to take charge of their own health. Don't keep letting the doctor say, oh, we'll see you back in two years or whatever. You know, we'll do this test, that test. You know, if you feel something going on, get checked. But more importantly, I didn't have any symptoms at all for this. And I mean absolutely That's not a single symptom. My stomach didn't hurt. I didn't have abnormal abnormalities oh, no. eating. There's the word. <laughs> Uh, wasn't losing weight, you know, nothing. And uh, just happened to lose my job. I had two weeks on insurance and decided, oh, I got some free time because I've been working 50, 60 hours a week, plus traveling full time with the band, plus any time the band wasn't playing at night, I was doing solo gigs at little restaurants and stuff, you know, anywhere about 100 miles away, up to 100 miles away. And uh, still driving home and going to work at, you know, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock the next morning. I was up 20 hours a day, most of the time still am. But what I hope they get out of it is to take charge of their lives, take charge of their health, uh, and go get an upper GI, most importantly, uh, no matter how, how they think their health is. Because, again, I have no symptoms whatsoever. And uh, come to find out, I got the fastest growing, fastest killing cancer there is. And had I not taken uh, any initiative to do that, uh, I, literally December 22nd would have been my uh, end of my six weeks to six months. So every day past that is a bonus day for me. And th- this is, it's called, I'm sure I'm going to butcher this, but Linitis Plastica? Pretty close. Linitis Plastica. Uh, it's French for plastic lining. And uh, what they literally equate this to is it's a hardening of the stomach lining. Uh, because of the way this cancer uh, grows, most cancer is kind of like you throw uh, mud or spackle, you know, for drywall. It's kind of like they throw it at the wall, and they go in and they want to kind of clean it off, uh, you know, kind of get in there and make sure it's not in any of that force. Well, linitis plastica is very, very different in the fact that it grows. It's kind of like a, uh, 
uh, it's kind of like a vine, and it grows, you know, there's five layers to the stomach. I've learned all this anatomy since mm-hmm. I've been through all this. I didn't know any of this before, but uh, there's five layers to the stomach, and what happens is it literally grows in between all those layers, kind of like splitting all the layers of plywood, like growing in between those. And then once it does that, there's nothing else in the body that has that many layers. So once it grows outside of the stomach wall, then it just rifles through everything. And that's why it's the fastest growing, because it takes a little while to get through the stomach. And then it just kills everything else. And uh, But linitis plastica, the word, is the hardening of the uh, stomach walls. And it turns basically your, your stomach lining into like a plastic water bottle. So linitis plastica, where right. that comes from. So little French thing. And so you are the longest living person with linitis plastica. Is that true? Yeah, well, that's what my doctors are telling me. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of hard to believe that here I find this thing by accident uh, and end up finding it earlier than anybody else. And that's the key. Finding it early. Early detection is absolutely the key. And that's why I say I don't care if you have any issues or not. You know, any symptoms for anything, go get yourself checked out just because... Who knows what you can find? Uh, but yeah, because of finding it early, uh, they were able to get it before it went outside the stomach. That was the key. I mean, that was that was the greatest day of my life when they they went in and did the uh, laparoscopic look around, and then they they did like a what they call a washing, and uh, they take all that liquid that they put in and they take it out, and then they look for cancer cells. If they would have found cancer cells outside. They weren't going to operate, and I would definitely be gone by now. Uh, but because they had, didn't find any, they were able to go ahead and do the surgery, take the stomach out, take the oblium out, 29 lymph nodes, uh, and a whole bunch of other little bitty nothing parts that I can't remember the name to. But uh, none of those had cancer uh, cells in them, uh, except for just at the very end of the stomach where they, they finally did the incisions to cut all that out. So they put me through chemotherapy one more time, uh, just kind of as a precaution. Changed the medicine and put me through it again. It's been a long road. (laughs) It's an amazing, inspiring story. Great that you're doing all this to create the awareness. Yeah. Well, like I say, uh, I just got told to do it, and uh, it was my pleasure to do it because all I wanted to do anyway is just be out there playing music. Now I just happen to know what the theme is of why I'm out there playing music. So yeah, it's great because you you took you took a negative and you found some ray of of hope in it and pre- presenting a good message to everyone out there. Thanks. Well, there's a song you mentioned earlier, it, and when you mentioned it right away, "Party at the Bottom of the Pool." I already had all these ideas in my mind about <laughs> about what an album cover would look like for that. Yeah. Uh, but tell us about that song and p- play it for us. All right. Uh, I went to, uh, you know, as, as Parrotheads go, they have all these different fundraisers because they're always raising money for, you know, either cancer or cancer awareness or children's hospital or the burn unit, you know, whatever's in their area. And sometimes it's not even in their area. They just pick someplace that they uh, want to help, Shriners, you know, and that kind of stuff. And uh, they had a party and raised money. Uh, to be able to donate to, to whatever their cause is. Well, the one in Austin uh, is, is named the, the Pirate's Call. 
and it's a full-blown pirate's uh, costume party. And uh, they have music, theme, entertainment, all that kind of stuff for the weekend. And uh, but we party pretty good. And for some reason, the hotel decided that they wanted to try to keep us out of the pool. Uh, we'd been there last year, and as I understand it, some lawn chairs and some other things ended up at the bottom of the pool that weren't supposed to be there. So this year, they decided, we're going to drain it to keep all the stuff out of the pool. And uh, I was playing outside, and it was kind of cold. And so when we got to the part of the conga line, they were actually going around this empty pool at this hotel. And whoever was leading decided that they were going to go down in the pool because the wind had kicked up, and it was, it was pretty cool. Uh, like, as I'm saying, cold. Uh, the wind was pretty chilly. So what they found out is when we got down to the bottom of the pool, the wind was going across the top of the pool and not coming down inside. So they told me to grab my guitar and all my stuff, and I ended up down at the bottom of the pool, too, playing to them in the pool with no water in it. And everybody kept telling me, you got to write a song about this. you got to write a song. And I, it was a great idea. I definitely wanted to write one, but I just couldn't find a beat, like, right then. So it took me quite a while to put a song together for it. But, uh, but it finally happened, thank goodness. And uh, it was just such a fun song. And then when I put the music to it in the studio, oh, my God, the song was just so much fun. It makes you want to jump out of your seat and conga like immediately. Uh, so I was able to put that together, and it's it's truly about the people that were there and everything that happened. Uh, just kind of a chronicalization of what was going on. So it was a lot of fun. Uh, I'll try to do it. It's it's kind of a fast moving song. Okay. Uh, let's see. We got this thing on. We're still good with the recording. And everything. Here it is, party at the bottom of the pool.
so much Troy anytime I have one more question before we part this broadcast goes out all over the world what do you want to say to the people who are listening in buy a new CD no I'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> uh, no truly uh, early detection for any kind of cancer is absolutely the key and after you find out if heaven forbid you have something attitude is absolutely the thing that will pull you through no matter what it's not anybody else's support, although that helps. Uh, family is wonderful. Great friends are wonderful. But it all starts with you. It has to start with you. People ask me all the time. I mean, I all the way through my chemotherapy treatments, I was doing radiology at the same time. I was wearing the pump. Uh, you know, anytime that I wasn't in the doctor's office, I was literally wearing the pump, which makes you feel, you know, pretty crappy, to be honest. Uh, but I never missed a band, a band gig with Hannes Reef, not one. I never missed a solo gig. I may not have been doing very good, but it was the will to keep going and, and be there. I had some friends come bail me out, uh, you know, to where I didn't have to sing absolutely every single song. Uh, but I still did my part. It was still my PA every single show. And people ask me all the time how I did it. And I'm gonna, I tell every single one of them, attitude is everything. You gotta have it has to start with you. Bar none. That's my advice. <laughs> Thank you for stopping by today. If you enjoyed our program, consider telling a friend about it. The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible through people just like you. So you want to keep the show going, right? Go to thepaulleslie.com. That's thepaulleslie.com. Click on support the show. And thanks to everyone who contributes. Performance of the intro music is courtesy of John Primerano, The Entertainer, written by Scott Joplin. End credit theme music is courtesy of John Primerano, the traditional song, Corina, Corina. Your announcer is Dan Gold. Hey, that's me. The show is hosted and produced by Paul Leslie. And we'll see you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour.